Hello, hello, it's Brian here. Before we start, I just want to acknowledge the people who have made donations to the show and who help keep it going. I'm so thankful for you doing that. And if you want to do it, here's how. Go to puttingittogethercast.com, that's our show's website, and look for the yellow donate button, which will take you to PayPal. Everything from there on is self-explanatory. Once more, that's puttingittogethercast.com, look for the yellow donate button and follow the prompts. Enjoy the show. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Putting It Together. My name is Brian O'Sullivan. This is the podcast. It's the Creative Conversations podcast, and I'm glad to welcome you to it. How are you getting on? Hope you're well. Uh, I'm good. I'm good. I'm having uh, endless studio problems at the moment. I've done two interviews in the last two days, and both of them have uh, had to be deleted. Well, one of them never actually was properly recorded, and the other one recorded but the files turned out to be corrupt so i've lost let's say two interviews in the last couple of days um and then i'm also changing around some stuff in the studio and i'm trying to figure out different ways of doing things and i'm not 100 percent confident so i'm just a little bit kind of wary today as i talk to you that you know in the hope that this is going to sound good i'm a little bit concerned so I hope that you can hear me loud and clear and that you're well and that uh, life is running along not too badly for you. So uh, what have I got to report? Well, I mean, that's what it's become. This this top part of the show is just me saying, what what, what can I tell you? Not a great deal. I mean, uh, my bike is still in the shop, still, but I expect to get it back uh, tomorrow, today by the time this comes out. So weather permitting, I'll be back on the bike soon. Um I can't remember if I told you this, but I've discovered that I think I think I keep the place tidy for myself. You know, that's these are the things you discover when no one comes in your house for however long it is, three months. How long has it been? March 23rd, was it? March, April, May, June. Yeah, we're close to three months. In fact, yeah, just gone three months. Wow. Um, I have formed a household with my parents. They asked me formally, would you like to form a household? <laughs> and I immediately said yes. I mean, I really didn't have to think about it. Partly because I didn't have any other offers. Um, So we are a household now, which means we can come and go, which is quite nice. So I've been up seeing the dogs, having a bit of dinner, you know. And that makes things a bit more bearable. Um, But other than that, I've not seen anyone. Um, The occasional little walk or outside meet-up. But now that the weather has turned back to the rain, uh, no, I've not really seen people. Which, um, it's just become the new normal, isn't it? I don't know. I don't, I'm not... Well, I was going to say I'm not struggling with it. I suppose I am in different ways, but the actual not really seeing people, you know, on the list of things, it's not that high up. Um, the not working, I think, is is harder. Um, not that I desperately want to jump out of bed in the morning and do things, but because I don't have much in the way of motivation, but I would love to have somewhere to have to be um, and something that has to, you know, a deadline. I would like that. Um, and I don't have that, and that's, I find that quite tricky. Um, yeah, what else? I don't know. I'm cosy in my studio. I got some new um, pop shields for the mics, and it's making, it's hard to explain really, but it's making life easier. Let me just put it, that's the simple uh, version of it. Um, and I've been reading lots. I'm trying to read... I'm trying to read things that are enjoyable but also informative. Um, you know, as I've said, I'm trying to educate myself a wee bit and 
Um, I do find that, you know, if you put good stuff in, you do get good stuff out. It's the same with audio production, I should tell you. So, yeah, I mean, it's... Try not to completely waste the time. I have been writing as well. I got down to writing yesterday and I was quite pleased with, with what I did. Um, but I do have a tendency to, to do a bit and then kind of achieve a wee bit and go, hey, well done, take a break. Um, so I definitely did that yesterday. I wrote about a thousand words and then I was like, wow, you're fantastic. Have a bath. And I did. I had a bath. And then I always say, oh, I'll come back. I'll come back and do more. And then, what do you know? I didn't do any more. Um, so... Yeah, I mean, it, it's not nothing. And um, actually, you know, the, the play that I'm working on, it's close to being long enough. This might sound strange because I have always a, always a worry that things are going to be too short. Um, so I always worry that it's long enough. I don't worry that I've finished the story so much. So, like in this case, I haven't, <laughs> I haven't finished the story in this draft. I'm not near the end. But in terms of word count, I'm near the end and that makes me feel a bit safer. Because I think at least it won't be too short. Like, I've still got a ways to go, but it won't be too short. So, yeah, I've got a bit of work to do on that. But I do feel that I'm getting... I'm certainly in the third act, um, if we think of it in a three-act structure, which I do with most things. So, uh, you know, I have to try and I have to try and get back to that and do a bit more. Because I think if I was a bit more concentrated in my efforts, I could get it done. I could have a draft probably by the end of the week. Yeah. Um... And I don't know. I mean, it's a musical. It's a one-hour musical, and I'm I'm also not sure about. I had ideas for I had song titles, you know, when I wrote the treatment, um, and now I'm kind of some of those I've bypassed, and then some have changed completely, and I just wonder if if I wrote in too many. It's hard to. I don't know. I don't think there's an exact formula for how many songs should be in an hour. I think for me, it's driven by the drama, and. Actually, there's probably more monologue than there is song, or more monologue. The, the monologue to song ratio is is higher than I thought it would be. I should say. So you know, the character Sarah talks to the audience or to herself or to characters um, a bit more than I thought she would. I thought she would sing to them more, and I think the singing is coming. I suppose as in as in classic musical theatre, the the singing is coming when you know she runs out of words or the drama gets so high the emotion gets so high that she has to sing so i suppose that's happening um and i'm being led more by the drama in terms of when the music comes in than than by the the plans that i made i'm I'm going a wee bit off off road i suppose but i'm just allowing that because i am writing a zero draft which i like to do which means for me just nobody has to see it if i don't want them to um Really, it means it can be as crap as I want it to be. Uh, it's allowed to be rubbish. Um, and I suppose, secretly, the hope is is that if I allow it to be rubbish, it might not be. Um, so, yeah, that's where I'm at with that. At least I'm working on it, which is good. Um, and I'm inspired by so many of the great things I'm seeing. You know, I think that there's so many... Like, I'm, I'm getting a chance now to, to watch stuff on telly and proper... Like good films and stuff and that is keeping me going and the stuff I'm reading as well um, like I told you before I've been trying to read I've been trying to read women authors um, and, and, what, and watch and engage with women centred um, drama and stuff you know because I think it's it's very easy to become kind of tone deaf if you're a, a man writing for a woman I think we've got to be really careful about that and I think my, I always feel like, or for this project, I feel my my qualification to write this woman is not so much about knowing 
about the female experience, but it is about knowing about the experience of what she's going through, which is um, addiction and recovery. So I suppose, yeah, my, my angle is that, the, the, the story, the content, as opposed to the actual character herself, I suppose. But yeah, for that reason, I'm trying to engage with as much female-led content as I, as I can. For that reason, and also because, you know, why not? And because there's not there's not enough engagement in that, and and the balance is still off, completely off. And that's been talked about in the last couple of days on social media. You've you've probably noticed, um, you know, where are the women centred um, dramas and comedies in in Scotland? Um, and then I saw some. I wish I can remember who it was. I saw someone tweet, "Why are we fascinated by normal people? By um, flea bag? You know, just." to name two and it, you know it's because we're hearing women written by women so we find them more um, complex and interesting and and uh, visceral perhaps because it's unusual to us and it shouldn't be but it is it's still uh, not the norm and uh, you know it's exciting I do get excited by that um, I certainly in terms of reading fiction I like to read women Um so that's not been a kind of a major turnaround. I've, I do that anyway. Um, and I've discovered I really like, I like good drama on TV. That's not a huge revelation, but, you know, I think um, drama with people with, you know, real flaws and and who struggle to, to say and do what they want and, and, and I don't know, who, who get confused and, and are complex, like real people. Um, I just... I always love that. It never gets old, um, and I've I've definitely discovered a love for more independent cinema because I feel like it's less following the structure that I expect. I suppose Sub- subconsciously, I was watching a film the other day called uh, Blind Spotting, um, a film about two guys. I suppose it's it's yeah, it's about two two best friends. Uh, living in Oakland, California, one white guy, one black guy, and, and their kind of concurrent experiences, and then their run-ins with the police, and what they get up to, and how, really, how the outcome is so different for for one to the other, you know, and um, it's an independent film, and it just wasn't, it just kept not going where I expected it to go, more little strange bits of the story would unfold, and I just kind of think, I didn't, I, you know, I realised that I had expectations and they weren't being met. They were being exceeded. Brilliant. And that's why I love independent cinema. So um, it's on Netflix. I mean, it's not it's not so independent you can't find it. Uh, so that's been good. And then the good thing about these streaming services, once you start watching something, you know, going down that kind of rabbit hole, you start getting stuff thrown up at you that is more in, in line with that. Um, my dad's always complaining to me that his Netflix, every time he opens it, it's just all crime dramas. I'm like, yeah, but that's because that's what you watch. So it just keeps, it just keeps you in the echo chamber. So <laughs> every time he switches it on, he's like, I've seen all this Wallander and Taggart and all that. I'm like, well, you know, you gotta watch some different stuff. Um, I've often thought about wiping the whole thing and just starting a new profile on Netflix, you know, and just have watching a couple of things, you know, from from different places to try and build up a new picture. Have Netflix learn about me again. Hmm, what would I call myself? Alistair. That was what I called myself when we were kids. You know you know when you play houses when you're a kid? I don't know, some people call, don't call it that, but you know when you like, 
you pretend you're work, you're at work and you get on your bike and you pretend you're getting in your car and all that. Be, being a grown up because it seems really exciting when you're a kid. Um, we we used to have different names. I don't know if you did, but we always say, well, "Who are you going to be?" And I say, "I'll go. I'll go, uh, Alistair." That was my kind of uh, kid on name when I'm playing <laughs> playing houses. Alistair Jackson. Yep, and I had a van. I drove a van, so whenever I got on my bike, it was the van. Um, at one point, I was a bus driver too. Um, had all the stops marked out in the little estate where we played. So yeah, that's just a little bit of detail. Uh, yeah, and it's a week where uh, I've noticed now that the not only the Scottish comedy scene, but the Scottish wrestling scene and the Irish traditional music scene have all begun to unearth or oust um, abuse uh, within their industries. Um, inappropriate behaviour, sexual advances, you know, late night texting and groping and all that horrible stuff that is coming out uh, also in, in the US comedy, uh, sadly. And, you know, I just... I don't really have anything that I particular that I need to say except except the obvious, which is it's awful. It shouldn't happen, and I'm so glad to see people saying, "Let's not let's not be complicit." And I think that's a big theme of what's happening at the moment. It's you know, silence is complicity. Um, so people are being encouraged to speak up, and of course that is you know inordinately difficult for anyone who's been. The victim of something like this, any kind of sexual abuse or advances, you know, unwanted advances and things. Um, but also the encouragement for other people to speak up, people who have seen things, who know things, um, you know, we mustn't protect people who are doing these terrible things. And it's just a, it's a, a positive step, but a difficult one. And I just, I just want to acknowledge it because I'm noticing it and I'm seeing it and it's, it's ultimately good, but I can see that it's really challenging, triggering, difficult for people um, who've been involved, um, who've been the victims. So yeah, um, just more, it's almost like, it's not almost like, I think it is that in this time of um, slowing down in the world and reflection and stuff, we've actually had a chance to process some of the bigger things and decide almost to address them, Um, you know, because we've had less distraction. And I think that's definitely a positive so I'm glad to see some of that stuff coming to the surface, although I know it's it's really difficult. Um, so I want to move on now and tell you about the interview. Uh, the interview for today is was one of the ones that was subject to the terrible technical difficulties. Um, I got the file over from Karen Fishwick, who is my guest today. She returns to the show triumphantly, and uh, I find it difficult to talk about people returning without saying the word triumphant. I don't know if you've noticed. They just go together. The triumphant return of Karen Fishwick. Um, yeah, we did an interview the other day and unfortunately her file that she recorded was corrupted for some reason. So we've we've done a do-over today and we're acknowledging that in the interview. We're not pretending that it's new and fresh. We're uh, acknowledging that it's a take-two. But we're delighted to bring it to you. So it was great to chat to Karen. I mean, we had such a wonderful chat the other day and I'm so sad. It doesn't happen very often, but when it does, I'm just, I'm just gutted because it's an ephemeral thing anyway these kind of conversations and to try and capture them um, and and make them and get them in, in good nick keep them sounding great bring them to you you know and um, preserve I suppose some of that the nature of that ephemeral chat is really important and it's quite um, a delicate thing I suppose so when it goes which it occasionally does it's just gone and there's no you can't 
go digging for it. It's not like you've lost it. I heard the file come over and it was just, there were just too many glitches in it for it to be listenable for you. So I'm just gutted and there's nothing you can do except go, right, you know, pick yourself up and go right onto the next thing. So Karen, like a superstar, has agreed to chat again and uh, hopefully we'll get into some of the same great areas and maybe more and uh, maybe we'll surprise ourselves and who knows. Um, but it's a delight to chat to her anytime and uh, I'm so glad to give give you the opportunity to listen to her because she has a, a huge talent and an absolutely spiffing person. So I suppose it's time for our uh, chat now. So I'm going to bring you over to my guest of the week. It's Karen Fishwick and she's with me and we are putting it together. My chat's going to get worse every time. No, because you're it, it, you're loosened up now, so I think you're going to be fantastic. No, I think the opposite. I feel like it's going to be... You've had rehearsals. <laughs> You've had so many practice goes at this. It's got to be good. Oh, no. I mean, I can't in all good faith ask you the same question to start. <laughs> know, so I'm I just know. going to answer it. You're in pit lockery right now, aren't <laughs> yeah. you? I am. I'm not going to go, where are you at the moment? I, I can't know. do it. Be the most acting I've done in months. <laughs> See, I just wanted to give you an opportunity. Yeah. So, uh, is it raining in Pitlocker like it is in Glasgow? Because yeah. I'm getting sick of that too. Yeah, it's horrible. Ah, it's lovely. that kind of rain that's just made everyone really angry on the roads. We went to visit a friend in um, in Blair Gowrie, and we got stuck on this windy little like country road. And there's an actual static caravan got stuck on a lorry because it couldn't oh, get around the bend. No. And then there was a lorry coming the other way. And then there was like tree surgeons. And a man in a van was just just yelling at me so much, and I was yelling back, and it actually felt really good. Oh, that's good. <laughs> Get out of your system if you can. Yeah, because it's so funny. Because the first time we did this, and, and it, it didn't really work. I was like really angry that day, and then when I was thinking about it later, I'm kind of glad that we can re-record it because I was like, oh, I think I was just like a bit mad. But then when you were like, oh, can you listen back to it and see if it worked i just hear myself and i'm like the most placid person ever I'm like that was <laughs> it's all inside yeah that was me angry and like outside i literally just sound like a lily pad or something just nothing <laughs> nothing on the surface nothing happening at all i'm a bit like that i think people don't really know because i've become so good at hiding it all whatever it is <laughs> It's so unhealthy. Like, you were depressed yesterday. I'm like, I was the most depressed I've ever been. And they were like, well, you were fine. <laughs> you seemed fine to me. It's very strange. So you said you were you were in Australia when all this kicked off. Yeah, I was on holiday. Um, and Andrew was um, working and then he had a week off. So we got a camper van, which we really liked to do. And we were... Nice. Um, staying in Nambuka Beach on the East Coast in the middle of absolutely nowhere. And he got this email um, sort of being like, you need to get to the West Coast of Australia as soon as physically possible. And we were like, oh, oh no, I don't even know where the nearest town is. Um, so that was that was interesting. So I wasn't meant to go to Perth at any point on that trip. Um, but you did. <laughs> but I ended up going there and both of us just um, trying, to get, trying to get flights home. I mean, this company was very good at taking care of him but obviously they didn't really have to take care yeah. of me so much um and it was gonna cost it was gonna cost four thousand pounds for me to be on the same flight home as him it oh was my word. it was quite stressful so then then trying to find like 
flights and then and then I had to move out of a flat in London when I got back. Um so I got a higher car. Oh. Um straight straight after the flight I actually gave the girl beside me on the plane a lift home <laughs> through London. No way. And then went to the house, <laughs> moved out the house in London, went back to Heathrow to pick up Andrew from his flight, and then we drove oh. then we drove to to Canvas Lang where a friend was lending us a flat because neither of us live anywhere um, it was a bit of a mad journey I can't believe you did that straight off a flight when I get off those flights I'm just I always have got big plans I'm like I'll be fine I'll sleep on the flight and mm. then I'm just useless for days I was kind of buzzing on the adrenaline I don't yeah know. I suppose that's sometimes the only way isn't it yeah and I'm glad I, I had that um, architect from Wonga Wonga beside me the architect oh this was the person you were you gave a lift home yeah she lives in london but she's from a, a tiny little town i think just outside melbourne i think it's called wonga wonga there's some amazingly and named places i know there. so cool great. and then just as i was about to drive to canvas lang um thank god we'd we'd swap numbers um to sort of like keep track of each other in the airport and everything and she was like i've mm. i left my backpack in your car with my laptop and everything so that just <laughs> It was just all a hot mess, to be honest. Wow. But now you're in peaceful pit lockery and everything's fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Everything's fine. Were you so you were in between jobs when all this this COVID thing really kicked off? Yeah, pretty much. But did you have something in the diary? Yes, it was I was gonna come home from Australia, have a week to sort of get my bearings and then I was I was gonna start um but I, I th- think it'll be happening next year but ah and it was it was sort of the first edition I'd bagged for ages (laughs) I was so excited to start um but it's fine we'll get back to that and what is it you can't tell us what it is presumably because you've not told us no but I'll tell you later (laughs) okay oh that's a shame so not only do you have to hold it in during rehearsals but actually now you have to wait another year (laughs) before you can actually tell anyone what you're doing is that right yeah ah wow that's okay that's all right. I feel yeah. I feel much worse for people that had, had like one dress rehearsal or like one one show or like people who have just left drama school and ready to sort of burst out and like spend all their like amazing energy and ideas and they just have to yeah. go home and grow to No, I think so. Spend. Yeah. People that have just started a job or just were about to to open the show or something it must just be torturous. Yeah, no. I I feel and and like I don't know. Being being young at the moment would be yeah that that stage where you're like you don't want to hang out with your family, but you can't go out and hang out with your friends. Like no, yeah, yeah, that's true. Bad. Your friends are your life. Yeah. Going out places. Yeah, I mean, and you're not much interested yeah. in staying in. Yeah, I, I love staying in. So you know, <laughs> it works not too badly for me. Yeah, I kind of do as well. But then I do struggle not working, not doing anything kind of creative with other people. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I'm same. I'm the same. Do you know what I really I miss having a director actually tell me what to do because I'm really lousy at that. Like, just yeah. in my own life, not only just tell me what to do. Like, I don't know. I miss like being surrounded by like smarter like people. <laughs> I don't. I don't mean that. In hey, you're talking to, to me him. now. Don't worry. <laughs> no, no. no, you know when you're in a room and you're like. And all of these like creative people who like because they're yeah. so great, they like bring out like better stuff in you and you're thinking. 
You're like, oh, I'm not yeah, developing. Yeah, people with different disciplines as well. Yeah. Like doing, doing stuff that you could never do. Yeah. And a call sheet. Don't yeah. you miss a call sheet? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Just telling you where to be. Yeah. Brilliant. Lunch. I miss that. Because <laughs> now every Am hour is just possible lunch. Reading hour. it over and over again. Going like, is my definitely in tomorrow? <laughs> do you ever do that? Where you just keep reading it over and over again? No, I'm definitely in tomorrow. Gutted. Yes. Or not always reading it. I remember <laughs> the Our Ladies tour. <sighs> Because I think maybe not everybody was reading the full call because sometimes they leave notes at the bottom. Mm-hmm. Um, Katie, our amazing stage manager, would like, I think at the bottom she'd be like, if you've made it all the way to the bottom, come to me tomorrow and I'll, I'll literally give you some chocolate. <laughs> so if you'd read it, you would go to her to like claim your prize cause so she could work out who was actually reading the call sheets. I bet you read it. I get the sense you would read it. I think I was quite slow to take up getting to the bottom. Oh, were you? Oh, I don't know. No, I I, I pour over it because I'm always kind of, I think I'm always looking for a loophole. Like, surely I'm not in all day. <laughs> <laughs> and now all I'm complaining about is not having a job. I know, I know totally. When you're like, oh, I'm so tired to do the show tonight. Yeah, and now you would just give anything to do any show. Yeah, literally. Oh, man. I miss it. I miss it so much. Yeah. Being with people, bumping into people on nights out at the theatre. Yeah. Um, even just having having like prep to do for auditions, although I should probably just be doing that by myself. Oh, yeah, but come on. I know. Let's not be silly here. Crisps, though. But even the, even the sort of annoying stuff, like I would kind of love to go and see a play that I don't like and then sit <laughs> in the bar afterwards and complain to someone about how, <laughs> how it was all wrong. I miss that. Yeah, there's so much... I mean, I just, yeah, I do too. And I enjoy that too much. You know, that kind of like, this is what I would have done. Why didn't they do that? <laughs> sort of that being railed up. I think I quite enjoy that feeling. Oh, uh, uh, yeah, maybe. <laughs> I was, I, I just read, or I, I just became aware of that review of uh, Romeo and Juliet. And I think it was the one you were in, wasn't it? Yeah. Just to be clear, it said that the Romeo and Juliet was garishly diverse. Am I right? Yeah, hor- is a really horrible phrase to use. Garishly. Diverse. Has there been much backlash from the company? Uh, do do you mean like my like my personal company of actors, or do you mean the RSE like in general? The well, R- I see there's been some backlash from the RSC, but what could you tell us about it? Um, the, I mean the RSC I think handles it well by calling it out. Um, I just have absolutely no idea why not only someone would write something like that now, but like why the Times would actually let that through all the levels to actually Yeah, to actually print it. Yeah, print it. I was going to say punished. They should be punished. Um, No, I was so (laughs) mad. I was was so, so upset by that. Um, And I spoke to um, Bally Gill, who played um, Romeo, and the really sad thing that he was like, mate, I'm used to it. I'm like, ah. What oh, is that? Worse, like, why is a like brilliant young actor having to spend any energy having to like bat things like that away? Like, just the sheer energy that must take not to like drag you down. Yeah, on a daily um, basis, it must be. Yeah, totally. And and I know him and lots of lots of members of the company have been like having the conversations about. Um, these kind of problems for years they've been talking about it for years I know Twitter's like exploded or social media's exploded in the past like week but yeah it's not really new for, for yeah. black people it's just new for some white people like yeah. me yeah you know I, I was obviously aware of racism in a bigger scale but I think 
you know, systemic racism I didn't really understand until recently. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm totally, totally with you. There's like heaps to learn and sort of, I don't know, just make sure literally the rest of your life, like your, your head and your heart are like open and always sort of trying to move forward and, and be understanding and, and I don't know, all, all having to be like patient with each other as well and not diving mm-hmm. into like having arguments every single time like the discussion is so vital but we like we have to understand like each other's sort of learning processes of it because everyone's coming from like a different a different angle and getting it wrong yeah. loads and trying to learn and be better and yeah one of the things i've heard said a few times recently which struck me was that black people have to be exceptional just to really be noticed or to exist to take up space yeah you know in any kind of creative endeavor or or any endeavor yeah you know there has to be this out they have to be outstanding and then we're impressed or something or you know critics or whatever and actually where is the permission for black people to just be exactly we're like, missing that definitely i can't even imagine how how draining that that is like we'll never understand no uh, but hopefully um we're like moving forward especially in the arts i think it's like a massive time to be fighting for like diversity like you know like the people in the boardrooms who are trying to like fight for the arts to stay open like that needs to stay diverse as well so that's like think everything that's sort of been built up over the past few years for like equality and inclusion doesn't get lost in like this whole freaking mess of like the government not seeming to care about the arts at all which is just so sad yeah definitely i mean because there's two ways it could go that you know you're talking about almost a big reset and that could be so positive mm-hmm. for diversity and inclusivity of all different types of minority groups and things or as you say it could be kind of like it could be regressive yeah just like just get a lot of the old favorites in and just try and get tickets sold that's yeah. what worries me yeah i know i just don't really know i just uh, i mean it won't happen but you know like it was like um like the sort of the steelworks in motherwell or like the shipyards in glasgow mm. they seem like a really past thing and you only ever hear of people being like oh yeah those are like the shipyards at one point that employed like so many people and now it's like a like graveyard yeah, gone. thing like can you even imagine if that was like oh yeah that was that was the theater like that was a thing that that existed then but everything's online now because and it's like oh yeah it can't it oh can't god i hadn't even thought of that i know i sorry i think my my brain's like <laughs> gone through everything but i was like yeah no it can't become that thing i just assume it always comes back because it always has for hundreds of years exactly exactly it will through everything yep you know yeah i'm you're right because the the main maybe the industry of it the way the industry works won't come back in the way we expect but the actual the actual bones of it which is people telling each other stories yeah will never go away yeah you're right you're totally right it's how we how we see it or how we how we approach it i suppose is definitely going to change but you you know you go back to like cave cave people sitting around a fire yeah it's the oldest thing going Mm -hmm. 
that's what I'm hanging on to anyway. Yeah. <laughs> that's my hope, you know, because I can't do without it. Yeah, get that fire going. Yeah, that's the last thing I should be doing. I'm, I was a terrible <laughs> arsonist as a child. <laughs> really? <laughs> well, I did love, I mean, just in a kind of a little boy way, I always wanted to make fires, but I, I was, you know, pretty strongly forbidden from it. But I always wished I could make big fires in the back. You know, if I lived in a bigger, yeah. you know, like kids that lived on a farm or a out in the country they would always have a bonfire going and oh, that, yeah. we never did we lived we in a little street fire. and I was always like maybe we could burn it maybe we could have a barbecue <laughs> no Brian it's always wanting to burn things <laughs> no I, I I get that I just my imagination always always goes to like the worst possible place I'm like imagine the worst case scenario yeah. like did you see that there someone put a picture of um the Loch Ness Monster online today this is no the most recent sighting and um, mm. I'm already like, see water that you just can't see into it. Even yep. when it's like, a, a, like we like a wee stream in Scotland. I'm like, no, there's like some, there's something in there. Even like swimming pool. When I was in in Australia, there was a swimming pool that had like a lovely ceramic dolphin at the bottom of the pool. And even that was mm. enough to sort of trigger my mind into being like, nope, nope, nope. There's stuff in here. I'm not. <laughs> I couldn't. I couldn't put my head under the water. Wow. That's, so are you? A, would you say you're a warrior then? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, my brain's like trying to destroy me in lockdown. No distractions. Yeah. Is but. it? Is it always big stuff like that? Like kind of world-ending catastrophe stuff? Um. I mean, yes. So, sort of not all the time but then other times i'll just be walking and imagine like tripping and and knocking all my teeth in <laughs> mm, i get that yeah or oh. slipping places i've slipped on ice so many times i'm terrified oh no 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 <sighs> the fear but i definitely worry about small things more than anything like what the, the tone of somebody's voice or something like oh, that, oh yeah what did i do what did i say yeah i'm with you that's why I was thinking, like, all these amazing, like, discussions that are happening on Twitter. Imagine, like, they were happening in rooms, like, with oh. people. No, in a, in a good way. It's that, <laughs> that gives me the fear. Yeah, it gives me the fear because I'm terrible with confrontation and I've I've got great difficulty separating debate from argument. I'm, yeah, so I'm I just feel like, you. oh, these people are all angry at each other and I don't yeah. like it. It just gets I'm, me going. I don't know what it is. I'm the same. But then we could, like, but then I don't know if you do this. I sort of read everything in the Twitter voice in my head. So everything's sort of how, over, like, however many years of using Twitter, I've, like, almost created my own like dialect of it in my head and it's all beginning to sound mm -hmm. the same whereas if we were gathered with these people and we could look into each other's eyes at all clearly yeah just... like hear people's voices because you do just it is just all text on a screen and i think it's dead easy to forget i mean yeah. for me if if one person's avatar is is a similar kind of color scheme to another sometimes i've misread and i've gone or the person's got the same first name mm -hmm. i've gone why, why is Oliver such and such saying that? And yeah. then I go, oh no, it's not him, it's a different Oliver. Yeah. And I'm, you know, I, that's how easy it is for me to just kind of half read things. So it's, you know, I probably get half truths yeah. at the best of times. It's confusing, isn't it? Like... Not even taking Donald Trump into account. Oh, don't. Oh, why did I mention him? That's I don't even, know. My I'm day just got it. worse. I'm not doing it. No, I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, so the last time I spoke to you, you were, I think, you were still doing Romeo and Juliet. You were on tour with it. And you were about, after that, you were going into a play at the Kiln Theatre in London. Is that yeah. right? Yeah, I think so. What was that? 
Because we um, never talked about that. Oh yeah, it was um, it was called Wife mm-hmm. uh, by Samuel Adamson, um, and um, directed by Indu Rebazingham, and it was a six-hander that sort of dealt with. Um, it was loosely based around three different performances of um, a doll's house. Ah. It's very popular. Um, yeah, it seems moment. to be. Yeah, why? It's so it's so fascinating, isn't it? Like the world feels like that needs to be told right now. There's like an element of sort of needing to break free, needing to break out, um, and and mm-hmm. sort of um, dealt with how we like negotiate relationships and how marriage has changed over the years. Like it started in in the 1940s, and then it went to the 80s, and then it went current day, and then it went beyond. It went into the future. Oh, I can't remember what year, 2052 or something like that. Right. And just how um, relationships change, and there was um, a lot of sort of LGBT plus um, issues, sort of like talked about in in it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was it was cool. I loved I loved it. Um, a lot of words, loads and loads and loads of words, and I like that. Yeah. I like when there's lots to learn, and yep. then you get that sense of achievement when you get all those words in your head. I love it. Yeah, me too. Are you quite good at it? Me too. Um, but I think I've got quite a good memory now. Um, yeah, well, it's practice, isn't it? it does yeah, get totally. It was funny. I suppose one of the characters was that I was playing was a doctor, like a thirty-year-old doctor. And oh my gosh, see, just trying to play not a child <laughs> for for a change. Honestly, it was like a revelation. And it was like, why are you, why are you like putting your voice up there? Just relax. Just like speak normally so i got to like, just like bring my voice down and sort of speak like a sort of normal person would speak because i don't have to be like up here because i'm not at school and i'm not in a gingerbread house yeah. or <laughs> anything so like that so you've done fun. you've been do you feel you've been typecast then in the in the younger roles i mean it's just because i have like huge cheeks <laughs> <laughs> huge cheeks that's all you need yeah Oh, I don't know. Like they're gonna sag soon. I don't know. Well, um, you'd be playing more doctors. Good luck to you. <laughs> I know it's so funny. Um, I played a doctor in a thing once, and I was like, "No one will even <laughs> believe this because I'm so used to playing like wee laddies <laughs> yeah. and daft wee, you know, whatever." It's the same kind of thing. Yeah. yeah, I've always had that, and I've always wanted to play older. I'm like, someone says to me when I get a haircut, you know, it makes you look older. I'm always yes. like, "Yes," because I've been looking the same age for so I know long. What you mean? Because you played. You were at school in Our Ladies of Perpetual Soccer and you did that for, what, probably a couple of years on and off, did you? Yeah, three years. Um, but then that's, I mean, you're talking about, you're not talking about little kids really, no. are you? I mean, even... You know, Our Ladies is like school leaver kind of age and very feisty characters and, you know, yeah. well-rounded. Yeah, definitely. And even Juliet is 12, I think. My daughter is not yet turned... Yeah, I suppose yeah. we forget that but though, But 12-year-olds today are like terrifyingly mature definitely yeah not to be true. underestimated they don't hit out with that kind of chat though so much you know with the verse and so on. oh true <laughs> how do you get on with verse do you enjoy um, it it was um a learning massive learning curve a curve oh clearly not clearly i'm curve. <laughs> absolutely useless with um words um uh, it was a, a learning <laughs> curve because uh, i hadn't really done Shakespeare I don't yeah I did I did like it it's just that thing in your head of being like oh some people want it by the book 
and some people want it totally freshened up. Yeah, that's always the kind of dichotomy, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, but it was, do you know, it was awesome. Like, I, I wasn't great at English at school. Um, yeah, never. I suppose I never really trusted words. I mean, even as an actor, like, the safe bit of anything would always be, like, the music for me. So then having only the words to sort of go by... Um, yeah, I learnt loads, yeah. and and just watching the other actors there, like, like I've I learnt something from I think every single person I met there. Yeah. Um, and Ballygill really is like my Shakespeare hero. He is just so <laughs> graceful and smart, and um, yeah, I could just like I loved doing every scene with him. It was it was amazing. It's a joy when you work with someone like that, where you're just inspired by them, and you love to yeah. watch them. And- they they make you sort of step up your game. I yeah, think, totally. Because he'd been there for um, a few years, and you could just tell that like he'd been totally like engulfed by Shakespeare, but had been so concentrated. I remember him always saying like, because he sort of worked his way up from like spear carrier to to Romeo basically, and he would just he would just watch and listen yeah. and ask questions from all the older actors, the experienced actors. And just like absorb as much of it as he possibly could, and you could just tell because he just had the best grasp on on the language and ma- being able to yeah. make it his own. It was very cool. Oh, what well, I wouldn't give to be working my way up from spear carrier to <laughs> Romeo at the RSC <laughs> no, right now. I would just love to be a spear carrier right now. <laughs> just just to be the spear carrier would be to... great, and I'm sure I would start complaining on day two. Oh, I know. the spear is so pointy <laughs> that's damn spear i've got a sore arm <laughs> so you were saying that you feel you feel safe with the musical part of things why do you think that is um i suppose it's just something i've always done even if i'm not like the best musician in the world it's like a familiar thing isn't it and um mm. i don't know i find it easier to tell if um getting it right or not maybe yeah i suppose Things. it's kind of right or wrong in terms of if it's written in sheet music yeah there's a right way and a wrong way isn't there yeah more interpretation on the on the other stuff yeah yeah do you play instruments as a kid then um yes i started playing the cornet when i was eight eight that's quite young for a cornet isn't it i know i mean my dad um he was a professional bass trombone player and then went into teaching um but he's ah. always been like a sort of handyman like loves to like fix things so he would take the kids instruments home from school if they weren't working and he'd he'd like repair them and things like that so I always remember the hallway was always lined with like brass instruments all the cornets and mm-hmm. tubas and everything and I think one day I was so I was always exposed to it like um forever really yeah and there was always instruments in the house so I'd be like oh can I have a go of that thing wow what is a cornet like a like a wee trumpet well this is my dad will be so proud of me now it's actually if you unwrap the tubing it's the same length it's just wound up differently um but it's got like a warmer i love it i love it it's like got a warmer quality than the trumpet maybe whereas the trumpet can be like quite piercing cornet maybe sounds a little bit closer to a french horn um and they would have it in like brass bands as opposed to orchestras um i suppose because when there's loads of them all playing at the same time, it creates that like warm, fill your heart with like gushing emotion and joy type yep. thing. 
it's a t- it's a different frequency from it because you're right the trumpet can have a real immediacy to it yeah does it still have the buttons the valves or the valves i should say yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i right. think it is totally i mean i've not i've not had one for ages now it got upgraded to the trumpet right in size not in any other way um <laughs> not in skill no <laughs> no definitely not <laughs> oh I, I probably peaked when i was like 14 and it's all been downhill from then maybe that's why you keep getting cast in these young parts because of the, the <laughs> trumpet player cheeks <laughs> you've exercised them <laughs> to a point oh it is it's a little trumpet cheeks i'm probably have yeah. you been playing music in lockdown um a tiny little bit yeah. A tiny, tiny bit of trumpet. Um, yeah, just um, a, t- a tiny, a few little like silly songs. Sometimes I'll just share them online to like try and cheer people up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wish I was a wee bit more confident to sort of like get it out there. I mean, I would absolutely love to do the like the Tim Minchin thing that he does. Yeah, um, he's amazing, isn't he? Though, yeah, just in general, so clever. Yeah, you play piano as well, don't you? Yeah, yeah, piano and oh, I mean, I've got the accordion out a couple of times, but literally just squawked it and then put it back down. <laughs> I didn't. Did I even know that you, you play the accordion? I don't want to tell you that because you're actually incredible. I remember seeing Arabian Nights at Lyceum and just watching your fingers fly oh. up and down that keyboard. <laughs> I was like, what? So good. You're so good. And then they were like, and and also you'll be doing this dressed as a goat. I know, I know, yeah. <laughs> In the script it said, um, the cave the cave appears rolled on like a stone by the two goats. <laughs> we got into rehearsal and I was like, so wait a minute, I'm dressed as a goat. I've got the accordion on and I'm rolling it. You should see the cave, it was about twice the height of me. And I have to roll this on. You're kidding me. There was a lot of changes made as we went yeah. along. In fact, in that, Doing the same thing at the Lyceum, I think, in a Christmas carol. I was rolling on a four-poster bed while playing the trumpet. It's not, it's not it's <laughs> it's standard stuff, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and you just you just do it, don't you? I think we get that thing of pe- people who don't play music say, right, so if you play that instrument, they take that as red. That's as easy as walking. Uh, so you'll be able to do all these other things at the same time. That won't be a problem. No. You're like, well, you know what? But there might be a bit more to it than that. No. <laughs> also in that show, um, Scott Gilmore used to always shove the prop Brussels sprouts up my trumpet bell <laughs> when, it, <laughs> when it was sitting off stage, and I'd like run off and grab it and come on and be full of Brussels sprouts. Do they fire out? No, they just, they just very sadly roll. They would roll. Oh, very tragic! Little plastic, just like ping pong balls, almost. Yeah, terrible. Terrible. <laughs> I like a wee prank. Do you like a wee prank? Are you terrible for corpses? I absolutely love the mischief that gets that happens on on stage. It's it's bad sometimes. I like and enjoy laughing way too much. Yeah, it's so tempting, isn't it? I, I mean, we shouldn't. I know we no, shouldn't. I know, I know. And you know, but obviously, it's it is terrible, and we admit that. But it's fun, though, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, that's why our ladies was was so fun because that was sort of part of the the deal like we sort of had to have that fizzing away all the time because these girls were meant to be having like the best night of their lives retelling the story of the most crazy day of their lives so it was sort of like yeah that energy is really helpful then yeah you'd be like oh if the audience weren't there they'd be telling the story anyway just having a laugh so it's always it's always quite fun but that helps you to justify it anyway (laughs) 
Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> We're supposed to be having a laugh. <laughs> I mean, you do want it to be fun. I mean, as, you know, I've spoken to older actors who say, we mustn't forget that it is a live event. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So like, if things happen, we can't just, you know, ignore them. Or we shouldn't, that's that's some people's opinion, we shouldn't just ignore things that happen and try and make it fit the way we've practised it because things interrupt Yeah, because it's real and it's live. Yeah, one night in, in Romeo and Juliet and the scene with Juliet and Capulet, that that horrible scene when he gets really mad and in our version he like gets a little bit violent and there's, um we had like stage fighting or whatever and um mm-hmm. I had these, they gave me really amazing like long, clip-in extensions to wear um and one night i think it was one of the previews actually one of them just wrapped around one of the buttons on his shirt and i knew it was this moment was coming up where he was gonna fling <sighs> me across the stage and uh, i was just like no stop 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 and the whole thing had to stop and stage management were like standing at the side with scissors ready to sort of cut me free but we literally just had to stop and um mike oh, no. who's playing capulet was like and he unintentionally is just such a hilarious person anyway that he was like, one moment, we're just going to sort this out. <laughs> and the audience were like <laughs> killing themselves. <laughs> so then like you're absolutely dying in that moment as your hair gets like unwrapped from the button, but then having to sort of oh. take a breath and go back into this really intense scene was just so awful. And there was another night where I I was about to take the poison and I had the poison on a like a vial around my neck and I'm pulled it and i pulled one of the extensions out <laughs> so it was just i just had like the the poison of one had like my hair and the other <laughs> god bless joe mcginnis <laughs> she was in that night and she was like oh, i thought you were just it was a choice i thought you were just really stressed that your her hair's falling out i was like bless you nice that's what friends are for do you think she was being kind yes always <laughs> but, <laughs> just, oh. i've always been amazed though at how when you have to stop a show and then start again, you can actually resume really quickly, and I think the audience goes with you. They do, and and they they kind of love it when things go wrong, don't they? Because well, people like, love it, don't they? Yeah, absolutely. They were and also, there. I think we're all in the contract already of like we know this isn't real, but we're going to invest in it, yeah, in the storytelling. So I suppose if we're out of it for a second, we can be brought back in. Yeah, totally. It's amazing how much you can think of like while while lines are tumbling out your face though isn't it <laughs> sometimes oh it's terrifying if, if something's if something's gone wrong and you're trying to think ahead or or like yeah. thinking about anything you how am i thinking of these two things at the same time and then the third thing is going how can i be thinking <laughs> about these yeah. two things i better not think of anything else i better not say the wrong thing i hate it you can't stop it the more you say don't think about it the more you think about it have you ever had a, t- a horrible dry moment? Yeah, I did. I did in Romeo and Juliet. It was awful. It was the night that we had subtitles on. So I must have just psyched myself out a little bit, knowing that every word I was saying was... Oh, um, that's the worst in Shakespeare because it's so specific. Yeah. Um, and they have the titles. Oh. Which is so silly because I actually just could have stopped and looked at the screen. Because I was on. Ironically, that's the the best time to <laughs> lose your line. <laughs> I know, but I was like, you couldn't do that. This is the in, the inside voice going. You can't. You can't do that. Um, no, but yeah. I don't think anyone actually noticed that much, apart from me. Did you just make something up, or did you just stop? I think I just I just skipped a set a uh, section. So whoever was on the subtitles that night was like, okay, okay, she skipped, she skipped. <laughs> just go, 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 go. Yeah. Just get, skip ahead. That's all right, isn't oh, it? Yeah. Everyone's read it. They know what happens. 
they know the deal. It's all good. Yeah. I mean, we've all been there. Exactly. I think it highlights how much... Like, if I go and see a show and it's got the subtitles on, I always think it highlights the amount that the actors have learned. Yes. I'm always like, it makes me more aware of the fact that there's all these words. It highlights it and I go, oh, mm-hmm. oh fair play to you. you know? It's incredible. Remember, I saw Alan Cummings doing his one-man Ham- Hamlet. It was Hamlet, wasn't it? It was Hamlet. Oh, it was the Scottish play. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, it totally was. Yep, I remember the one the that's sort of in, set in the Asane, the the yeah. the Lockboard Asylum play. Yeah, I remember Myra and Ali were in that. Um, just the sheer amount that he had. Yeah, it's right. crazy, isn't it? But right. it's it is totally possible. We we know it's possible. Yeah, I also think because you know if you if you learn one big play and then you're rehearsing another, you you don't have to move bits of the the, the evening play out of your head in order to learn the the new one. Oh yeah, you just keep adding. So you could. In theory, I think you could just keep adding. I don't see why you can't. Well, definitely. When I worked at Pit Lockery, I was when I was there, did the first four plays like on top of each other, and then and then there's another two at the end. So wow. I was in those two. You're running one, and then you're rehearsing what two, three, and four, or just two, and then how does it work? I can't remember. Yeah, I'm I'm trying to remember now. It's 2004, 2013 and fourteen. I was there. You'd start the first one, have like two weeks on it, mm-hmm. then I think start. The second one and then like it's another couple of weeks and maybe the third and the fourth start at the same time but then when you start you're taking the first one and the other i i can't remember i can't remember but now. difficult let's maybe say it's challenging i mean just a lot of work but i've really really loved it especially when it'd be like the actor musical shows so like um you're learning your lines and and the songs and the dance but then you've got your you've got to obviously memorize all your your music as well it's good though. It's a buzz when you've just because it takes up your whole mind, and then you can't, yeah, you know, worry about what people think of you and stuff. Yeah, exactly. I usually find time though, yeah. catch up on my worrying. Yeah, lockdown's been good for that, hasn't it? Ah, uh. <laughs> uh. oh, well, do you know what? I think that we had um, an even more high octane and high quality chat than we did before. I think that the oh, the, the listeners to this interview have got the better version. Take three. Third, third time's a, a charm. Yeah. Brilliant. Well, thanks for doing it again. <laughs> Sorry. So it'll be another like six to eight years before we speak. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is enough already. Yeah, that's enough. If you if your phone ever rings and it's my number, you'll probably ignore it from now on. You'll be like, I'm not doing it again, <laughs> Brian. Please leave me alone. <laughs> Karen Fishwick, what a star for coming back and talking to me. Not for the second time, but actually for the third time. And you can go back and hear her interview when she was first on the podcast. It's in the archives, along with over 130 other guests that you can enjoy for free. So uh, remember, if you are enjoying the show and you feel able to donate to it, then you can go to puttingittogethercast.com and look for the yellow donate button. That's puttingittogethercast.com and the yellow donate button is the one that you click. It's right there on the front page and you can donate a small or large amount in a one-off or a regular basis. Now, if you're not following us on social media, then please do go to PetCCPod on Instagram and Twitter. That's PetCCPod. And we have a page on Facebook which you find by searching Putting It Together. It's all very self-explanatory. And we'd love a retweet. We'd love a regram. 
We'd love a wee share on your story, whatever it is that is your bag. Let people know you're listening to the show um, and share it with as many people as possible because, of course, the more the merrier. Um, And all the previous episodes, as I've said, are in the archive and they're completely free and available at any time. So that's uh, over 130 hours of creative conversations, all for you. So listen, thank you very much for being part of the show, for being part of the journey. Thanks to those who've donated um, and keep it in mind if you haven't already. If you can't, you can't afford it. It just doesn't suit you right now. There's no hard feelings. I'd love you to have the show for free. Please keep enjoying it and tell your pals you're enjoying it. Thanks very much for everything. And until next week, I'll just say what I always say. Cheerio now.